0: I came like out the whole line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. The one up above his head. They can't jump with me. Guy they Only tackles at the courtyard. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.
1: <laughs> welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Brought to you by me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Got an awesome episode for you guys today. It's really going to be just all about rankings. We've got a little bit of talk. Really not much to talk about uh, with what the episode is going to be besides that rankings. We got a nice little announcement we were supposed to do the other day, uh, but obviously we had some stuff going on, so we're pushing it to today, Wednesday. I'll make sure to have the episode up tonight, uh, so we won't have a whole lot of the fun drops and everything. It'll really just be fantasy knowledge. between. Uh, between me and Dennis uh, here as we talk about some rookie stuff. So let's just get Dennis on here and let's give you guys the breaking news and then talk about rankings. RANKINGS <laughs> And as always, we've got Mr. Dennis Bennett with us after what's been uh, about a little bit of a a week break for both of us. Uh, We were supposed to record on Monday, but we both had some family stuff going on, so we're pushing it to today, Wednesday. The episode will be out later tonight, but Dennis, what is going on?
0: You know, I am uh, getting my butt kicked at work, but having a fantastic time otherwise. Had a great Cub Scout camp out last weekend, Uh, went to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and camped out with a bunch of cub scouts and then we went to the uh air force museum and i can't wait to go back without my wife and kids so i can take my time and look at stuff
1: (laughs) that is awesome uh what uh what what was your favorite part of the about the museum
0: the you know they they start at the wright brothers Uh with planes and they they have actual they've got some parts from the original wright brothers stuff and then they also have uh, life-size recreations, and they go all the way up to you know. There's B-52 and stealth bombers there. There's an airplane from the Tuskegee Airmen. They've got uh, some Russian planes and some German planes, and it's all real stuff that's been decommissioned. And so that's really the the stuff that I enjoyed was l- looking at that. I just want to go back and be able. T- I, I'm a I'm a reader. I gotcha. want to take everything in and really absorb everything, and it it just you know with with an eight year old and and specifically a herd of eight year olds <laughs> uh, that gets to be a little bit challenging.
1: That I can't imagine. Well, that does sound that sounds extremely cool, uh, Maya. My father is an airplane mechanic, so I've you know, always been interested in airplanes and, and stuff like that, just just all kinds of stuff like that, everything he talks about and everything he does, so I've always had an interest in that, so it, that just sounds interesting. I actually uh, saw a lot of the pictures that you were posting uh, in one of our group chats as well, so I was kind of looking at those. It did look like it was a lot of fun, so that does sound like it was a good time. So, for today's episode, uh, I touched on it a little bit there in the intro, but didn't give you guys much uh what we're going to do today, because we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, we're going to do rankings today, but before we do that, I want to talk about the Listener League. Like I, said, I talked about it on Twitter just last week, we were going to do it on Monday. Uh, so Dennis and I talked about doing this last year, but the podcast really kind of came together right as the NFL season started up, so we didn't have a whole lot of time to get this put together. Uh, but we are going to do it this year. We are going to do a 12-team Lee, we haven't decided yet on what site we are going to do it on. I feel like what we've talked about, I kind of want to get uh, all of the people into the league first, and then we'll kind of make a group decision on how we want to do it. Um, So we'll be filling it with 10 spots, because me and Dennis will obviously both be in it. Uh, We're going to do that different ways uh, there will be a couple episodes where we decide to put in a keyword or a phrase inside the episode that you guys have to dm dennis or myself first one to get it uh to dennis or myself will get in we're also going to do different entries throughout different stuff on twitter that you can participate on this way uh, if you guys don't have twitter you guys can always email uh the show at fantasy football roundtable at yahoo.com uh that way that you guys can get in on that but we would uh I would say strongly suggest getting Twitter if you do have it. It's a lot easier way to reach both of us, and it'll be an easier way to keep track of the league. Uh, I I was being serious when I put on there that the winner will get uh, an NFL jersey from a player of their choice. Uh, Obviously, me and Dennis are very – um, confident that one of us will win it, obviously, and if we do, we've talked about possibly donating that uh, money to some charity. We haven't decided for sure how we'll handle it if one of us wins it yet, but that's something we've talked about. But we just kind of wanted to give you guys an idea on what we were going to do with the Listener League. We are both very excited to get that off the ground and cannot wait to start adding members in there and uh, so we can kind of get a nice little group together and start off our inaugural Listener League. So that is the info we have for you now. I will uh, give you guys a fair warning when we do decide to start putting this stuff in the episodes. It might be next week. It might be the week after, but uh, we'll let you guys know for sure. Uh, we didn't really want to put anything in this episode or the episode that will actually be coming out tomorrow because we've got a really great guest that Dennis lined up for tomorrow. So we really want to save a lot of the information, everything fantasy football-wise we're going to be putting out for him. Uh, so that's why we kind of wanted to just do a, ba- a rankings-based episode today. We've all kind of talked about these prospects Uh A lot of people are starting their rookie drafts now. Uh, I know I have a bunch that actually start next week, next Friday. I have two that start this Friday. Uh, So we wanted to go over and start talking about our rookie rankings. Uh, Dennis, we'll we'll do the same thing we always do. Dennis will go first. He'll give his one. I'll give my one. We'll start at quarterback. We'll go running backs, wide receivers, and tight end. Uh, We both decided that we'll just do our top 12. Now, I'll be honest, if if any of you follow me on Twitter, you know I don't have 12 quarterbacks, so I'll give my top listed guys, and then I'll let Dennis give you all his. But uh, we'll just give you guys kind of our ranking, and then if they moved up or down, and why. Uh, Some of the landing spots, or maybe something else, uh, maybe a depth at that certain position, or maybe we think they're not going to be starting anytime soon will drop them up or down our rankings uh, so without further ado let's kick it off with quarterbacks Dennis you're one one for your rookie quarterbacks
0: uh it's still dwayne haskins there was uh you know if i if i'm being uh, honest here there really wasn't uh, any change in my quarterbacks there are a couple that i still think there's five quarterbacks that are likely to be NFL starters and about three others that could end up being those career backup types that'll come in if your quarterback gets hurt and you can scale back the game plan. So I still have Dwayne Haskins at one. I think he landed in a great situation in Washington. Um, he's got a, uh, a head coach that I think believes in him. He's got going to have a good running game, I feel. They've got some depth there with, with Geis and Thompson being backed up by Peterson and Love, plus uh, P. Ryan and Fat Rob are still on the roster. So they've got some depth at running back. Jordan Reed has been healthier the last couple of years than he's been in uh, uh, quite some time, it seems. No real superstars at wideout, but I still think that uh, Haskins has the most complete game of any quarterback coming into the league this year.
1: Yeah, and I'm right there with you. That did not change in my rankings either. Um, no, I lied. Man, I, I don't know how to read that. I actually moved Kyler Murray up to to one for me, um, and that was just based on what I think he can be. I do think that he is going to end up being a very good quarterback. I liked what they did in the draft and building weapons around him, and I do believe in Cliff Kingsbury. I do think that he is going to be a crucial part of this, though. He is really going to have to be able to implement the college offense and make it work in the NFL better than what it has been. There's been certain college concepts that have been used, but they've never built almost a full college game plan and put it in the NFL. And I'm not saying that Kyler Murray can't play in any kind of pro offense. I do think that he'll be able to. uh, But I think it's going to be very college heavy uh, based concepts and it's going to have to succeed. I have faith that it can. I do like what they're doing there. I love DJ still being there. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald being there this year to help mentor wide receiver I think is going to be huge down the road, which we'll get to later. Um, And I, I i like what they added at tight end as well Uh, they're in the draft i I like what they're doing on this team i think Kyler murray has a chance to to be a star who is your two
0: Uh, i'm sticking with murray at my two um i i have some concerns about how he's gonna adapt to the nfl game and whether or not the nfl game will be able to adapt to him it's it's a match made in heaven for him uh with the college coach bringing in uh college friendly offense but historically those types of things haven't been terribly successful in the NFL so you've got in in my opinion you have an outlier player that's smaller yes very mobile but uh and an outlier coach coming in with a, a system you know I I agree that the NFL needs to get some new ideas and new coaches are clearly being successful I'm not so sure that uh, you know a mediocre college coach bringing his system to the NFL is really going to be uh, one of those successful things.
1: Yeah, I, like I said, that that part of it I, I can't disagree with you on. That is one of my biggest fears uh, for them is what can. What can Cliff Kingsbury do? Because he, you know, a lot of people want to bring up he was a great offensive mind, and you touched on it right there. is actually a very good point in the fact that he was actually fired as a head coach at Texas Tech, and didn't really get any other job offers besides the offensive coordinator job at USC. And then that was the whole debacle on that they should let him go and uh, interview or not. And he finally did, and, and they did get the job at Arizona. Um, for me, my two is uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. I loved his landing spot. I know a lot of people are kind of down on it. Um, I think a lot of people kind of forget how good that offensive line is though when it's fully healthy. And you know, the hope is that they'll finally be able to stay healthy. They've had injuries at that offensive line in the past couple of years. I love the weapons they have around him. Um, I love that they brought in Terry McLaurin to play with him. Uh, you know, he openly campaigned for the Redskins to pot to draft one of those guys, and they did. Uh, I do think that McLaurin uh, is going to be very good there. I think I I still think Josh Doxson has a chance to be good. You know, he's played with a different quarterback. I think almost every year that he's been in the NFL. I know. I think he's had. One year where he played twice with Kirk Cousins, if I if I'm remembering correctly, but he's never actually had a quarterback to try and and gel with and and get going. So I think hopefully he'll be able to unlock something there too. Jordan Reed, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's still I think a, a very good tight end. So I like Dwayne Haskins. I think they're going to build a good uh, team around him, and, and so he fell down from my one two two again, just based on Kyler Murray going to Arizona.
0: Who you got at three, Matt?
1: Well, for me at three, I have Drew Locke, which is um, not a change from recently, but it was a change from my very first rookie uh, rankings. So my first rookie rankings, I had Daniel Jones up there, uh, just based on a lot of stuff that I saw. Drew Locke, I think this is a perfect fit for him in Denver. I love what they did get Noah Fant there. I've loved Cortland Sutton. I think Deshaun Hamilton is an extremely underrated wide receiver. And I do think, I don't believe John Elway when he says Joe Flacco is entering his peak, or I can't remember exact words that he used, but Joe Flacco is beyond his best years. I think we can all agree on that. But I think Flacco is more than serviceable that if he stays healthy, he will play this entire year, and I think that would be good for Locke. I think they will be able to groom him and then let him take over the offense next year. I like Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. I think that's a great duo in the backfield. And if they continue to build this offensive line, I think Denver could be a powerhouse offense next year with Drew Lock at quarterback. Who do you have at three?
0: You know, I, I stuck with Will Greer. I really like the talent, and while he did not land uh, at an ideal spot um, in Carolina. He, he's in a position where he's got a quarterback in front of him that's coming off an injury that started to show signs of, of wearing down um, that's 30 years old, 31 years old now. And he can come in, and he's more of the type of quarterback that uh, Norv Turner uh, likes. That fit, He fits Norv's offense better so i I think that he's going to sit there there's what is it in 2019 it it doesn't make sense to cut cam but i think if after this season if if they're not if if next offseason they don't extend cam i think the writing's on the wall they can cut him uh after the 2019 season with only two million in dead cap space so if if uh, Greer comes in and looks good, I know Cam has played nice. He didn't go all Ben Roethlisberger. He talked about having, you know, he wants to have great players on the team and do what he can to make everybody on the team uh, be ready to play, which which is great. But I I think it just uh, for me, you know, Cam's style of play, it, he to last longer in this league, he's going to have to change it. And I just don't know if he has that in him. He's going to have to reinvent himself as a pocket passer, uh, or he's going to keep getting beat up on. Uh, for better or worse, it's one of those situations where uh, if you watch the games closely, he takes more hits than other guys and uh, doesn't get the flags because he is bigger. And it doesn't look as bad when you're 6'5 and 250 pounds and getting hit by a 6'1, 230-pound linebacker. It doesn't look as bad as when that linebacker hits a 6'1, 215-pound quarterback.
1: Yeah. Who do you have at four?
0: Uh, at four, I had Drew Locke.
1: Drew, Lor- Drew Locke, okay. For me, four was uh, Ryan Finley, and that's just based uh, – I'll be honest here, this this is the one guy that moved up uh, a lot based on landing spot and what I've heard from other people. You know, as as we've talked many times on the podcast about these quarterbacks, I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Finley, the quarterback. I, I do think that he is a little bit overrated in a lot of other places, but a lot of other analysts love him, think that he is a very good football player, and I do think that this regi- the new regime and since he drafted him for a reason. I do think he has a very good shot, maybe not to beat out Dalton this year, but much like the Cam Newton situation, they can get out from underneath Dalton by next year, I believe, with little to no cap hit for the Bengals. I think that's a very realistic possibility, and I think Ryan Finley could be their future quarterback as of right now. Uh, and I say as of right now because there's going to be a lot of good quarterbacks coming out next year. Next year's class is already being touted as one of the better quarterback classes to come out of recent years, I would say up to about the year prior with Baker, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Darnold. Uh, So they might take a quarterback then, but right now if you're looking for a guy who's I think clearly going to be the backup to Dalton and has a shot to be the starter in Cincy, Ryan Finley is my guy. And then for me at five, I have Daniel Jones. I don't think you can take – This is one of the situations, I guess, the way I would put it is you have to take draft capital into this situation. I know a lot of people are down on Daniel Jones. A lot of people think that the pick by the New York Giants was a bad pick. They still took him at number six. That has to mean something. It's the most important position in football. If they took him there, he's going to get his chance and then some to prove he's the guy, even if he doesn't. Chances are he's going to be at least a serviceable quarterback in fantasy football for years to come because he will get those opportunities. I don't believe Dave Gettleman when he says that Eli can play for the next three years. I think this is it for Eli. It's this year, and then it's the Daniel Jones show. I would not be surprised if we don't see Daniel Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Daniel Jones at some point in time this season. There's a really realistic shot. I think the Giants could start out 0 and four to possibly like one and five or or two and four. Like their the beginning of their schedule was really bad. And I would not be surprised if Eli plays anywhere close to what he did last year and he's not Living up to what I guess people feel he should play up to, that Daniel Jones will get the spot, and then we'll have to see what he does. He doesn't have a lot around him, in my opinion, outside of of Barkley. I like Tate, like Shepard, but I don't think those guys are those guys are both two to three wide receivers. They don't have that true stud. Um, and I I would hope that Evan Ingram can come back healthy, but I am a little bit worried about him. But Daniel Jones falls to five for me.
0: Yeah, I I had Daniel Jones at five. You know, it was funny to watch the. Uh, rookie camp workout They kept showing all these videos about Daniel Jones throwing these passes and completing them And then you look a little closer and it's like they're all dump offs to running backs and short passes That's pretty much what they were And and I I get it. I I agree with you with the draft capital. They're going to give him every chance to be the successor to Eli Manning Um, uh, unless something crazy happens and the ma the the, the mayor's just decide look we're we're done with this and then they shit can Gettleman and who's the coach there now, Shermer. Yeah Shermer. Sure. If they get get rid of you know, unless they just clean house there. Jones is gonna he's gonna see the field some this year, whether it's in blowouts or what, but he's gonna get a chance to get on the field. Um I think they're uh looking at it from the standpoint of uh they'll be okay not uh Winning a bunch of games because that's going to give them some uh, capital next season. You know, when you got guys like Jerry Judy coming out and C.D. Lamb coming out, um, you know, those are guys that can be that wide receiver one that maybe Sterling Shepard uh, isn't or, or Golden Tate isn't. So I, I feel like Jones is going to get a little bit of, of time this year. Uh, I think next year is going to be – the year that they put him on the field and they say, look, take this job and let's see what you can do.
1: Yeah. I'm right there with you. Who do you have at six?
0: You know, I, I'm sticking with Easton stick at six.
1: Okay.
0: You know, I think he landed in a really good situation. Uh, he comes from a pro style offense. He gets to back up Phillip rivers for the next couple years. he has got good size at six one two twenty four, really good mobility. And, uh, If he can get the passing NFL passing part of the game down, uh, he could be the successor to Phillip Rivers.
1: Uh, For me at 6, I had Jarrett Stidham. He moved up a couple spots. I've always had him right around the 9 to 10 range. Um, I'm not – he, for me, is very much like Ryan Finley. I am someone who is not a believer in him, but I do know and see a lot of people who are. A lot of people are very much in love with Jarrett Stidham. They think that he can be a pro quarterback – If anywhere, I think his landing spot helped him out the most because if Bill Belichick truly believes he can be a starting quarterback and will be the future to Tom Brady, then this is a great move for them. They got him later in the draft. He will likely get to sit, I would guess, two more years behind Tom Brady, and then we'll see. Even if he... I do think that he's someone worth picking up because I could honestly see them doing the same thing they did with Jacoby Brissett here and flipping him for something else later if someone else needs a quarterback. We'll see how all that works out. Uh, again, I'm not a big believer in Jared Stenham, but I do think he can be a ser- I always thought he'd be a serviceable backup quarterback. Maybe I was wrong. You know, I don't know why Bill Belichick drafted him, but if it looks, if looks are to be believed, that he could possibly be the heir to Tom Brady, he is worth a stab in in dynasty leagues late. Uh, Number seven for me was Easton Stick for everything you just said Um, as well. I I agree with you. I think it's a great landing spot for him. Much like Jared Stenham, he'll get to sit for a couple years behind a great NFL quarterback in Phillip Rivers, and then chances are he'll be given the ropes in San Diego. And, well, let's be honest here, I mean, San Diego has done a really good job the past couple days, uh, or past couple days, past couple years building a really good offense and defense. They've been a great organization, I would say, at least probably the last decade. Uh so having him come in there and be the the starter hopefully behind Philip Rivers is a great spot for him to land I um, mean I'm gonna give my eight really quick because that's all I have for the quarterbacks and I'll let you rattle right. off yours uh eight uh, for me is Will Greer and the one caveat I'll throw in here is if Dennis is right on the Cam Newton thing Will Greer jumps up to four for me he, he jumps up four spots because I love Will Greer I love his talent I just hate the landing spot I think for me, it's just very hard for me to believe that Carolina will move on from Cam Newton. I do think that it would be a smart move, especially if he continues to struggle throwing the ball. If that shoulder's never going to be the same again, and especially if they do it in a year when they it's not going to be a huge hit on their on their cap, like Dennis was saying. Then Will Greer, I think, is going to be a lock. Star stock stud in the NFL. I agree with everything you've said, Dennis, and I know you've been big on him for a long time. I think that'd be a great landing spot for him uh, because I think they'll have a couple guys that can go look, get the ball deep, and he'll have Christian McCaffrey right there with him. So I'd love Will Greer. I just hate the landing spot. Um, he's also someone who I think you can get much later in drafts because a lot of people hate the landing spot and don't look as deep into it as as Dennis has with the possible cutting of Cam Newton. So he's someone you can get probably is like the 5th or 6th, 7th quarterback off the board uh, in most dynasty drafts.
0: Yeah, he's, um, unless it's super flex, he's been going, you know, mid to late second round, early third round. Um, so for me, I had uh, Ryan Finley at 7, and I got him highlighted in green because I think he's somebody that's a riser here. Uh, I, I I can see me moving him up. uh I don't know that he'll go up into the top five, but I could see him moving up to six and maybe becoming uh, one of the guys that gets a chance to be a starter, uh, a legitimate chance. The Bengals uh, can cut Dalton uh, pretty much uh, at any offseason with no dead cap. The way they've structured his contract, uh, there's no dead cap money, and they can just let him go. Um, I think that... Uh, what was it? When we did our initial, hey, let's take a quick look way back in, what, January or something, I think yeah. I had Finley in my top five. Yeah. Uh, you know, he did drop down, I think, based on talent. It seems like your your uh, top quarterbacks are very landing spot dependent aside yes. from the first couple. So I, I'm trying to weigh – you know, I, there, there's a, a big portion of me where I go – you know, either a guy's good or a guy's not. And if I'm looking at how good a guy is, does it really matter? How much does it matter where they go? Uh, I found myself with the running backs, a couple running backs really having to weigh that. Mm-hmm. And I think with Finley, I don't think his talent changed any. I still think he's kind of that six, seven quarterback range. If Daniel Jones doesn't pan out, I could see Finley maybe being the fifth best quarterback in this class. Um, but I also think he's probably of if if I had it, move him up to six of the top six. He's going to have the shortest leash. So I have Finley at seven, and he is going to. I think he is going to get an opportunity to be the successor to Andy Dalton. Uh, I at eight, I have a, a career eight and nine. I'm just going to talk about. I have a couple expected career backups. Yes. Uh, Brett Rippon, who landed in Denver is the heir apparent to Gary Kubiak's uh, backing up of John Elway. Uh, I see that as one of those situations where, you know, because what, they drafted Kubiak in the following year, they drafted Elway. I, yeah. I think uh, Elway looks at it and he sees that he's got his guy in Drew Locke and now he's got his career backup in Brett Rippon uh, to be the to be the, the new Gary Kubiak. So, uh, And then at nine, I have Jarrett Stidham. I am not a believer in his talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that Belichick essentially took a shot, and for the most part, if you look at the quarterbacks that Belichick has drafted, uh, Stidham fits right in with the likes of uh, uh, Rohan Davey, Cliff Kingsbury, Kevin O'Connell, Zach Robinson, Ryan Mallett. You know, those are – Jacoby Brissett is – Brissett, Garoppolo, and Matt Castle are essentially the second tier of quarterbacks that Bill Belichick has drafted. There's Tom Brady, there's Brissett, Castle, and Garoppolo. And then there's a whole bunch of nothing. And I think Stidham is going to fall into that whole bunch of nothing category.
1: Yeah, that's a, that, that's my biggest fear with him. That's why I had him ranked the last out of all those quarterbacks, obviously, besides Will Greer. I will say, uh, yes, you are correct on, on my quarterbacks. They are very landing spot dependent just because I think that's the one position where – It is a big deal. I think with wide receivers and running backs, at times it can be such a revolving door that I think even if they land somewhere with a a lot of competition, if they're as good as I think they're going to be when I first ranked them, they'll end up winning out the job, which is still possible at quarterback. Like I said, Will Will Greer, I'll just use him as an example. I just don't... Right now, it wouldn't matter, I think, if he went into camp and lit it up as much as we both think that he could. They're still going to stick with Cam Newton. And so that's what worries me about someone like Will Greer again. If they end up cutting him, then he's going to be a star, like I said. But that, that that's what uh, affected my ranking so much for quarterbacks. Everyone else, if you were to look at my – or all the other positions, if you were to look at my rankings throughout the entire process, and now you're not going to see much of a difference because the landing spot for me does not change that much. It's really just for the quarterbacks. All right. Right what do you or who do you have? Uh, I, I would I'm going to guess it's David Montgomery, but just in case I'm wrong, who do you have at one one for running back?
0: I am sticking to David Montgomery. All right. You know when I watch him on film, you know he's he's not a long speed guy, man, but he's gonna he makes people miss. He's gonna get extra yardage. He's gonna be consistent. He can catch the ball. He's going to an offense that's going to give him some space uh, and give him an opportunity. I, I, you know, I was listening to Dynasty Nerds, uh, Nerd Herd podcast today. And, you know, they make a compelling case for Josh Jacobs at number one, but I just can't get over him not really producing in college, not be, not being able to beat out some of the guys that were there in front of him. If he's that talented, then they're going to, they're going to play him more. And they just didn't. So. I, I want I want to believe in Jacobs, uh, but I, I'm uh, I'm sticking with Montgomery at my one.
1: So for me, my one changed uh, to a guy that I've I've been touting the entire time, and that's Miles Sanders. Um, I think that his landing spot is perfect. I've been talking to many people about this. Someone uh, I know if you guys follow me on Twitter, you saw my little rant about him the other day because I I hate this argument that. He's gone to an offense that doesn't know how to use running backs or so they use a rotation. No, it's because they've never had a running back like Miles Sanders. They just not have not had a running back that is that good. I love Josh Adams last year coming out. Love that he landed in Philly, but all he can do is run the ball. He is not a receiving back. Smallwood... Um, Clement are both very good at, rec- at receiving the ball in the backfield, not that great runners. running. They're undersized players, not very good. Jay Ajayi, we all know my hate for Jay Ajayi. Obviously, he's not there anymore, but he was the starter to begin with there last year. I think Miles Sanders goes in there. I obviously don't think he will be the starter this year, but I do think starting in 2019 he will be. I can't remember who it is. I, I want to say it's Clement, but I could be wrong. It might be Smallwood. But one of those four, will be under contract next year for the Philadelphia Eagles with Miles Sanders. Everybody else will be free agents. I don't think they're going to bring all those players back. Sproles. Sproles is the other one, but he, I know he's not. Um, all those guys will be gone. It'll just be Miles Sanders and I think Smallwood. Miles Sanders is by far the better running back. He's going to be in a great situation with a great offense around him, a great head coach, great offensive-minded head coach. I love the landing spot for Sanders. My only issue with him is, is the fumbles. As long as he can keep the fumbles intact and not not let the rock go, he is going to be, in my opinion, the best running back of this class by far. Who do you have at
0: two? I have Jacobs at two. You know there's not a there's not a big difference between two and three for me, which is Jacobs and Sanders. Um, Sanders did produce as the lead back and I give him a little more leeway when it comes to only having one year of production because of the the person he was behind, but uh, I, I'm gonna go with Jacobs, and, and I'm I'm gonna I, I think some of it is based on he doesn't have any real competition in Oakland. I know there's uh, you know Dynasty darling Chris Warren there whom I have multiple shares of. Uh, Jalen Richard is a, a really, really good receiving back, but if Jacobs does what a lot of people think he will, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna get a big shot this year, and you know, I'll either uh, eat my words on him in Montgomery or uh, uh, I'll be laughing all the way to the bank.
1: <laughs> yeah. So for me, my two is Josh Jacobs and. It did hurt to put him there over Montgomery. I do think that is a somewhat better situation for him in Oakland. Uh, you know, as, as both of us have not been... Big Josh Jacobs believers. Uh, I do think that he is going to end up being the lead of a timeshare there. I just don't think he's going to be that workhorse back that everybody else makes him out to be or that their general manager, Mike Mayock, keeps saying that he is. Uh, But I do like the landing spot for him, and I do think that he will be given the opportunity to be the one back there, and then we'll see what happens. I think uh, just his draft – He's one of the guys in this that the draft stock, I think, elevated him just a smidge over David Montgomery for me. Although I do love David Montgomery's, uh, uh, his landing spot better. Uh, and for me, Montgomery's there at three, just a smidge behind Jacobs. Like I said, those two were the, the hardest for me to shake out. The only reason for right now I put Montgomery behind Jacobs was because of Cohen. Uh, He's such an explosive playmaker. I worry that Montgomery might lose out some work to him. I hope he doesn't, because I think Montgomery is a great receiving threat out of the backfield as well, and he's a ten times better runner than Cohen is. Uh, So I do think if Montgomery ends up becoming the three-down back, whoever gets him at three, I've seen him going anywhere from – three to six in rookie drafts I mean you're getting a steal from him in my opinion if you're not if, if he's not going one or two I like I honestly think as, as much as it's not going to make sense that I have Josh Jacobs ranked at two in, in most rookie drafts I'm taking Miles Sanders or David Montgomery if, if one of them falls to if both those two fall those are the order I'm taking them um, and I've seen David Montgomery falling in a lot of drafts so if you can get him anywhere after the third pick I think that's a steal
0: yeah, he keeps falling to five. Yeah. I know that because I have a lot of number sixes.
1: Wow, yeah, that's got to be frustrating. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, I unfortunately passed on him in a in a draft the other day. I, I wasn't. It, it's stupid. I'll be honest. It was complete stupidity on my my fault or my part. I was looking at the draft and it came down. I was I was picking at. I, I was picking at. Picture six or, six or seven. Can't remember, but him. And Paris Campbell fell to me, and I ended up taking Paris Campbell because I've, I've just been getting a lot of shares of him. And then I went and looked at my starting running backs in the league, and it was Naheem Hines and Austin Eckler, and I started punching myself in the nuts because I was really pissed off that I didn't take <laughs> David Montgomery because I was like, what the hell are you thinking, dude? So, yeah, that was a bad move on my part. But, yeah, I agree with – uh, I'm right there with with Dennis there. If, if he falls, you've got to snag him because he could very, very quickly, as early as this year, I think, become the workhorse in Chicago. Uh, who do you have at four?
0: At four, I have the biggest riser, uh, on my rankings. And honestly, it is purely, uh, well, I guess I have another big riser too. And they were, it was, and both of them are purely that I just misranked them to begin with. I was off on them and I'm going to admit my, uh, mistakes. Uh, I got Devin Singletary at four. Wow. Okay. I've been, and, this is a, a landing spot guy. Um, when I look at some of the other guys on the list, you know, I like. It. I got swept up in the uh, the Singletary running a four six six, and then as I uh, went back and started taking another look at where he was and how he really, how did he play? You know, he's he's maybe. I think maybe athletically and skill wise, just a touch below Daryl Henderson, mm-hmm. but I have him above Henderson because of the landing spot. Spot is the tiebreaker. So I, I, I was commented on uh, somebody today on Twitter, and I wish I could remember who it was. Um, it was some poll, and I picked Singletary, and somebody, and gave my reasoning for it. And somebody came in with, like, well, I'm taking Hill. Why would you take the fourth-string running back or the third-string running back in Buffalo? And I said, yeah. well, I don't know. Why would you pick the fourth-string running back in Baltimore over him? Uh, I, I, we've talked before, and I think that there's a, a strong chance that McCoy uh, gets let go or traded yeah. somewhere between now and the beginning of the season. I do think that Frank Gore is going to have a limited role. And I could almost see this coming down to being a T.J. Yeldon, Devin Singletary backfield.
1: Yes, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, so for me, Singletary is at five, and he is right behind someone you just mentioned as well, and that's Daryl Henderson. Henderson was three for me all along. I actually, had I've had Jacobs at four um, but Henderson fell to four to me just because he's behind Todd Gurley. Uh, the reason I ranked him ahead of Singletary, even though it looks like for me Singletary has the clear path, um, I think that they drafted Henderson for a reason. I think Gurley's knee, um, I know we've both talked about many a times, when you get arthritis in your knee, that, that's just not something that's going to go away. He's not going to be fine. I, I still think that is going to be a top Five to ten back in the NFL, but I think Henderson is going to start spelling him more often than we have ever seen. I think that's why they match uh, Browns. Uh, offer sheet to keep him there as well. They're wanting to build up some depth behind Gurley so they don't have to use him, I think, as much as they have the past couple of years. I think that's where Henderson's going to come in. I think he's a great handcuff for Gurley, and I honestly think he's going to put up a fair amount of fantasy points alone in a very talented Rams offense. And then that gets me to Singletary, who I have at five. Um, He's been right around this range for me, give or take a a couple players. Like, I've had Rodney Anderson at Justice Hill ahead of him at times. He's jumped both of them because of exactly what you said. The land spot um i know um i can't remember how to say her last name um she's someone we both follow on twitter i believe in kate uh, is it Mad- magic yes uh she had a thread out there last weekend it was actually saturday i remember because me and my wife were out with our kids shopping it was a beautiful day in texas uh so we were outside doing a lot of stuff and she put up a thing Talking about how she thought Devin Singletary was going to be a great, uh, it was a great landing spot for him as well in Buffalo, and she thought that he. Was going to be the guy there, and you. It surprised me how many people went off on this on on her over this whole thing. Like to me, it's it's a I think a great point. I think she's exactly right. And everybody was sitting there talking about how no, that's stupid. They've got Shady McCoy, Frank Gore, uh, and TJ Yeldon. Probably something close to what you were dealing with as well. That he's going to be the four string running back. Now everybody's jumping on TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon has yet to been able to prove that he can be a starting running back. And a lot of people forget the fact that for I would say the past couple years, Jacksonville has had one of the better offensive lines in the league. Now I don't know for sure if Buffalo's offensive line is going to be better than Jacksonville's or not. I don't know that they'll be as he- run heavy offense as Jacksonville was back then, but TJ Yeldon could not separate himself from all the other backups. I don't even remember the guys that they brought in there and started playing over TJ Yeldon.
0: Um, Carlos Hyde.
1: Uh well not even Carlos Hyde. There's <laughs> other I can't yeah. even remember who it was, um There's guys that uh, I've never even heard of before. Corey Grant. Yeah, uh... exactly. The Corey Grants of the world were coming in, and they were starting over TJ Yeldon because he just could not do it. I'm just not a big believer in him personally. I don't think that T.J., I think he's a great uh, dual threat backfield kind of guy, but I don't see him being the guy who's going to lead an offense. I think Singletary can. I think Singletary can easily be the workhorse guy. T.J. Yeldon be kind of the receiving threat uh, back there, and I agree. If they do, I think they're going to cut Shady McCoy. I know we've talked about it multiple times. It just makes sense. He's owed, I think, $6 million this year. There's a chance. There's a high chance that the Bills are not going to make the playoffs. There's no reason to pay a running back that much. They can cut him, get out from underneath the contract, and then move forward with Gore, Singletary, and Yeldon. So I am right there with you on those guys. Who is your number six?
0: Uh, well, before I move on to my number six, I just want it. If you want to follow uh, Kate over on Twitter, she's at uh, ffballblast. Yeah. And uh, her sister, ballblastm, as in ball blast the letters e-m uh they put out a ton of great content including the ball blast podcast yes, so i agree um get feel free to give them a follow uh i have justice hill at number six um i i wasn't you know again much like me being team big wide receiver when it comes to running backs i tend to be team three down back and i don't see justice hill as being a three down back um he was him and Singletary both rose from uh, the middle of my second tier, be- beginning middle of my of my rankings of the second round uh, up into uh, four and six. I think single. Uh, excuse me. I think Hill is going to get an opportunity to be the space player. Uh, well, well, I joked with him about him being the fourth string running back in Baltimore. I don't think. Uh, I honestly don't think that uh, Kenneth Dixon poses any real threat to him for playing time, and so he'll be able to carve out a role there uh, as the the satellite back, which is going to be, um, which is really what his role is. I think yeah. he's uh, fast. He's a decent pass catcher. Um, he is dynamic when it comes to running the ball, and uh, I, I think that if Harbaugh and uh, I think who's the who's is it Greg Olson or Greg Roman, who's uh, the offensive coordinator Ron, there Ron now? Greg Roman, I think. They're the gonna they're gonna try and create some space for that running game, and uh, I think Hill will be able to produce in that offense.
1: Yes, I agree with you. Um, so he's actually my six as well, um, and everything that you just said. There's really no point. There's nothing much to add there. I, I agree with you. I don't think Kenneth Dixon is any kind of threat to him, I think Mark Ingram is going to be the guy, Justice Hill is going to be the receiving back, and that's a perfect fit for him. I think he, he's too small to be the lead back in my opinion, but he is a dynamic threat out of the backfield there. Um, so I think he's going to be, you know, I keep comparing him to Alvin Kamara. I, he's not going to be what Alvin Kamara is, but I think if they use him the correct way, like the Saints use Kamara and Ingram as that dual threat, I think that Justice Hill can do, uh, great things for fantasy, put up really good points. I think he has a, the upside of like a low end, uh, running back two, probably closer to a uh, high-end running back three, especially in PPR leagues. I do think he'll be able to get a lot of work out of the out of the backfield. Uh, for me, my number seven is Damian Harris. Um, I, I'm not huge. I've not been huge on Harris throughout the process. I've I've liked what I've seen out of him. Uh, I've compared him a lot to Mark Ingram, who in my opinion is probably the best back to come out of Alabama. Um, the landing spot does kind of suck. Obviously, him going to England. However. I know that they have like 80 backs there, you know, just a huge rotation of backs, but I think that they drafted him for a reason. I do think that if Sony Michelle suffers some injuries again, Damian Harris is going to get a bulk of the run there. And I think that's a great fit for him in that aspect. We, we've seen Sony Michelle last year. Yes, he had some great games, but he also struggled with injuries almost the entire season. So Damian Harris landing there, I think there's a chance that you could get him in the late second, third round of your rookie drafts. And he's someone who could end up being a starting running back, uh, obviously based solely on injury purposes, because I don't think they'll use him much outside of that. But if Sony Michelle goes down, I think he's going to be a great workhorse for the New England Patriots.
0: Yeah, I have him at six as well, and I believe he is the direct backup to Sony Michelle. Um, and I, I think that the the challenge that New England has when it comes to running backs, as it presents itself for fantasy players, is that Sony Michelle was a receiving back in college, and they just don't throw the ball to him; they pound him up the middle. Damian Harris had a well-rounded game at Alabama. Um, and so I think he you know either Michelle or Harris could operate as a three down back. New England just doesn't do that. They hate our fantasy teams. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I have Harris at six because I, I do believe that there is something with Michelle's knee. He also is an older back, so he's got some tread on the tire, uh, worn off the tires. And I think eventually, probably next year, Harris is going to get that opportunity to step up and maybe take that job.
1: So do you have Harris at six or seven?
0: Oh, seven. My okay. bad.
1: No, no, you're good. I-, I wanted to make sure that I didn't skip too far ahead. All right. So who do you have at eight? I
0: have uh, Raquel Armstead. Okay. Uh, He he went to Jacksonville, so we're kind of in this this situation here now um, where you've got to this is essentially the handcuff zone. Yeah, and these are guys that are going to basically be one snap away uh, from getting some really solid playing time. Armstead's a bigger back. He's he's well suited for the Jacksonville offense and for He's going to get some playing time, at least the, in the four games this year that uh, oh, Leonard Fournette misses. He'll get playing time then. Uh, and, and he could, you know, if if, the, if Jacksonville gets tired of Fournette's issues, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they move on after this season or they try to trade him. You know, Fournette's a talented back, but he seems to lack a certain passion for the game. Um and and it sort of shows in his conditioning and and stuff you know he's one of those guys that you look at him and you're like man if this guy just if this guy loved to play the game like some of like adrian peterson lord knows what he could do but he just doesn't seem to and i think that's going to open the door for a guy like Raquel armstead
1: yeah, so I'm right there with you. Actually, if you if you were to look at my next four backs, uh, they are all, for the most part, backups, except for one that I have a little bit of. Uh, I know my uh, Jared Wackerly would be proud of me, one of the guys that I have ranked here in my top ten, uh, but not a lot of other people, I think, have him ranked that high. But for me, number eight is Rodney Anderson. I've been big on him the whole process. I still think he's the best running back in this class, uh, despite what I say about Miles Sanders. Uh, Rodney Anderson was my one true love. Uh, before he got injured uh, out of this running back class. I thought if easily he would have stayed healthy, he'd be the best back. I've talked about it on the podcast. I believe it was with uh, you, and it might have been with Garrett and Jarrett both on. I can't remember who we had. It might have been the mock draft episode. I could honestly see the Bengals moving on from Mixon in a couple years, um, especially with his injury history. I know it sounds crazy to say right now because everybody views him as this elite back. But he has really struggled with injuries, staying on the field and everything. And if Rodney Anderson comes out, stays healthy, I think he could honestly be just as good, if not better, than Joe Mixon. Uh, So I've I've been taking Anderson whenever I can get him, especially because, again, he's someone you can get in the fourth or fifth round of of most rookie drafts because people are not taking him. Uh, Number nine for me is Benny Snell. Um, Snell's a little bit more interesting to me. I do know a lot of people who are not James Conner believers that think Benny Snell could carve out a a decent uh, workload here in Pittsburgh. I would not doubt that. I think they're very similar, though, so I don't know if it would be a a true 50-50 split, especially, um, with, oh, goodness, what's his name? I just, uh... Jalen Samuels. Yes, it, with with Samuels there because Samuels I think is by far the better receiver at the best receiver out of the three of them. Uh, so I don't think Benny Snell is going to be able to carve out a lot of time unless Connors goes down. In which case, I think Benny Snell. Uh, it's just been proven even before Bell got there that Pittsburgh just knows how to use their running backs, and they've always been fantasy relevant. So clearly, if you have Connors, he's worth the pickup wherever you can get him in a rookie draft, because if Connors goes down, I think you can quickly and easily put Benny Snell in, and he's going to produce for you.
0: Yeah, I have Snell at 10, and for that very same reason, he just he's the direct backup to Connor, and when Connor needs a blow, it's going to be Benny Snell. And uh, if Connor goes out for any extended period of time, he's going to step into that offense and do what James Connor does. Um, I still have Bryce Love up at nine. Okay. Uh, I, I, again, I feel like he's probably not going to do much this year. He's coming off the ACL. It happened late in the season. Chris Thompson is signed for, for another year. Uh Geis is coming back from his injury that happened in preseason last year adrian peterson is there Uh, so I I think you know love it wouldn't surprise me if love starts the season on the pup list And then doesn't get activated, uh frankly, but I think next year bryce love and darius geis are going to be the two top backs Uh in washington and it'll be you know a 65 35 kind of split and love will get some rushes he'll get some catch some passes and uh, I I like like love there
1: yeah I am really interested to see how that backfield looks next year with I think it's gonna be him uh, him and guys being the, the main guys in that backfield uh, for me my number 10 this is the guy that I was talking about I, I think uh, not a lot of people are talking about he was an undrafted free agent in James Williams going to Kansas City I like Damian Williams. And I like Darwin Thompson. I think both those players, though, are very relatable in their games. James Williams, I think, is just a receiving Monster. We saw him put up huge numbers in college, and yes, an aired-out offense with, with Mike Leach. I understand that. But still, he, he was amazing in the receiving game at running back there for them, and I think he could do exactly that same thing in Kansas City. I, I think it was a great landing spot for him as an undrafted free agent. Uh, and again, he's someone that I think, much like Rodney Anderson, is a guy you can grab extremely late in drafts if he even gets drafted. He's someone you might even be able to pick up off the free agency pile uh, I loved his landing spot and I think he's one of those players who I think he's going to be this year's Philip Lindsay. I don't think he'll be quite as productive as Philip Lindsay was because Philip Lindsay was kind of given the role for throughout most of the year when Royce Freeman kind of struggled at times. Uh, I think James Williams regardless is always going to be in a timeshare there in Kansas City, but I love the landing spot. Uh, and then for me, uh, I'm just going to give my 11 and 12 because you already touched on uh, 12 or my 12. Uh, 11 for me is Alexander Madison. <clears throat> I think, uh, Garrett turned uh, turned me on to him. He's a really good running back. I think he's uh, going to be kind of like the the Thunder. To uh, Dalvin Cook's Lightning, I do think he is a pure backup to Dalvin Cook as well. I think he'll get some work here and there, but in, unless Cook goes down, I don't see him having much fantasy value. But I think if Cook goes down, Madison will be able to fill in admirably. And then number 12 for me is Rykel Armstead for everything you touched on. Um, and he's another guy that I think you can steal in the third or fourth round. I've been getting him in the third round of a lot of my rookie drafts. Uh, and I think it, it's going to be a great spot because if – for not even if – when Fournette gets hurt and or slash suspended like you've been talking about – Rykel Armstrong, I think, is going to be able to come right in, and he'll produce for you uh, in fantasy.
0: So there was a, 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 big, a couple big moves down in, in my rankings, and one of them was Rodney Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre-draft, I had Anderson up at number five because of his talent. And I really, I really wanted him to go somewhere where he was going to get a shot. Where he could prove he was over the injury. I feel like, uh, he's a couple of his injuries were kind of fluky. And so, but he just didn't. And so he dropped completely out of my top 12. Um, I, I, I want to, I, I need to see something from him. Uh, and given where he has with, with his NFL draft capital and the way his stock has fallen in dynasty drafts. You know, I can get him late second, third round, maybe even early fourth round. And so, with that, I, I needed to ju- I, I dropped him down, um, and I put uh, Travion Williams up at number eleven. He's kind of the opposite of uh, Anderson, Rodney Anderson, in the fact that he is going to be. You know, he he's slotted into Cincinnati in, into Cincinnati. And he's behind Gio Bernard, who's in the last year of his contract. I think he's going to replace Gio Bernard. Uh, Bernard has had a couple injury issues himself. And so I could see Williams taking that job this year and, and Bernard becoming the third guy there. Um, I, I'm not sold. I, I think Mixon has the talent that he's not going anywhere. I think he'll be there for a couple years. And then, uh, my other big dropper was James Williams, whom I had at six, Mm -hmm. you know, I love his ability as a pass catcher. Um, but I ended up moving Darwin Thompson up about three spots and put him at number Darwin at number 12. Uh, I just think that he's a, just a good enough pass catcher and a little better runner than James Williams. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's going to get the opportunity, uh, I think that unless James Williams ends up being this year's Philip Lindsay and just comes in and pushes his way past Darwin Thompson, uh, and Damian Williams, uh, I think Darwin Thompson is going to get the lion's share of opportunity and that's going to hurt Williams. And so I, I have Williams at 13, so he did drop from 6 to 13. And Darwin went from 16 to 12. So I kind of flipped them on that team. And part of it was because of what I perceived to be their opportunity.
1: I got you. All right, so moving on to the wide receivers, uh, I'll kick it off. Uh, I actually had a, a, an interesting little back and forth with uh, someone who I know listens to the f- uh, to the show a lot on Twitter. He sent me a message about me having to kill Harry as my 1-1. It's honestly solely landing spot here. I do think... I feel like I should clarify. I've never. I don't hate Nikhil Harry. I, I, I like to joke about that. I've always said that he, I think he is a high upside wide receiver too. I just don't think he's elite. I know a lot of people think he is like. Uh, You know, miles ahead of every other wide receiver in this class, and that's just not me. I I like Nikhil Harry. I think he's a good wide receiver. He's always been in my top five every rankings that I've had. He's just not an elite wide receiver. He doesn't have elite, elite traits in my opinion. I think he's a high upside wide receiver too. I do think with him going to New England, that is what boosted him up to number one for me because I think he has the quickest opportunity to produce early and often, especially if he can gain Tom Brady's trust, I think he can be used just as well as Josh Gordon was last year. And while Josh Gordon didn't have an amazing season last year, he actually produced fairly well for fantasy. Uh, so Nikhil Harry goes up to my one. Who do you have at one for wide receiver?
0: Uh, I have Nikhil Harry up there as well. Uh, I did have A.J. Brown. And, uh, you know... I, I still love A.J. Brown's talent. Uh, I think he's more versatile than Nikhil Harry. Um, but I do think that, there, that, that there's just enough uh, opportunity, impact, going to Tennessee that it, it caused them to flip. I, I, I have uh, A.J. at two still. I know some people are really down on his landing spot, but I think that he's... You know, I, I forget which episode it was we talked about that the best wide receiver Corey Davis has had across from him his entire career was Rashard Matthews. Yeah. And I definitely think A.J. Brown is better than Rashard Matthews. And I certainly think Corey Davis is better than Rashard Matthews. And I think that uh, if, you know, Mariota is essentially in the position he's got to have a career year to save his job. But if he doesn't, the one thing Tannehill excels at is short to intermediate range passes, which really suits AJ Brown's game. Tannehill is known for being extremely inaccurate deep. And so that, that'll continue to impact Davis. So I think AJ Brown is still, you know, going to be my number two. Harry is, he's, a great talent he's great with the ball in his hands uh he caught a lot of short passes at arizona state and i think uh brady is at that point in his career uh much like daniel jones that that's going to be his game
1: so for me my number two is paris campbell he's moved up he's probably my biggest jump on my wide receiver board um anybody who follows me knows how thrilled i was To see him go to Indy, I've said it multiple times on multiple different podcasts since then. To me, that was the best landing spot outside of Debo Samuel uh, for a wide receiver to fall in the draft. And luck should have it. Debo Samuel is actually my number three wide receiver on my list. Uh, Paris Campbell, the reason I give him the slight edge is Andrew Luck is proven in the league. I like what I've seen out of Jimmy G, but I still haven't seen enough. The the dude has not been able to stay on the field. And we just haven't really seen him in this new San Francisco 49ers offense. So I do want to see that. But I think Debo is a great fit there in San Francisco. Paris Campbell, I think is going to he's someone that I know a lot of people are saying oh, I don't think he'll be able to do much this year because they think he's just like T.Y. Hilton. I completely disagree with that. I I don't know where that comparison has come in at. I, I don't know why people think that him and T.Y. Hilton are gonna do the same thing T. Y. Hilton is consistently gone on the outside and and one he he's a phenomenal wide receiver uh, a wide receiver I think that gets constantly overlooked uh, but I think Paris Campbell is going to clearly be the slot wide receiver there and I think he is going to be just phenomenal there with especially the yards after the catch uh, and then I honestly think the same thing about Debo uh, him going to San Francisco I think if Jimmy G stays healthy uh, he'll be he'll be able to eat in the slot the only thing I hate about Debo going there is I think that might uh, cut into George Kittle's uh, workload a little bit, which does bother me a little bit because I'm a I'm a huge Kittle fan.
0: Yeah, I, I have Debo at three. Um, I, I just think he is he, he's fantastic with the ball in his hand. He's a, a good route runner. He's probably not going to be that deep threat, but he's good cl- short and he's good in the intermediate. And when he gets the ball in his hands, man, he's like a running back. So. There are some concerns about Debo staying healthy, uh, which I think are legitimate. But I I just feel like he's going to be the he's that guy that's going to go to uh, San Francisco. You know, if you think back, I think what well, didn't didn't uh, Pierre Garcon catch like 105 passes in Washington when Shanahan was the uh, offensive coordinator? Yes, and. I see Debo doing that. That's that's the role. I see him being Kyle Shanahan's new Pierre Garcon. I think he's and I think he's better than Garcon. I think Garcon completely maximized his talent. And I think that Debo is just at such a base level, so much of a better player that he is just he's gonna feast in that San Francisco offense.
1: I agree. Uh, so for me, my number four was AJ Brown. I agree with everything you touched on. I actually don't think it's that bad of a landing spot. Um, you know, you brought up Rashard Matthews. Rashard Matthews was fantasy relevant more often than not with Tennessee while while Mariota was healthy. Uh, I think if Mariota can stay healthy, AJ Brown I think is better than Rashard Matthews, and I agree he's better than Corey Davis. So I would not be surprised one bit if A.J. Brown is still fantasy relevant. Um, And I think that's really, in all honesty, just like David Montgomery, awesome for people who still believe in him. Because of that landing spot, so many people are down on him that he's falling into the back half of most rookie drafts. He's a guy who should be in consideration for the 1-1 to 1-3 pick, and he's falling all the way down to 1-6 and later. So if you can get possibly one of the best wide receivers in this draft, uh, that late in the in the rookie draft, good on you. I would clearly take him in my opinion. After you know Paris, Campbell, Debo, Harry, uh, Sanders, and Montgomery are gone, now, I guess you could put Jacobs right up there. Uh, but I would take him over Jacobs. So if you can get him anywhere after one point five, take him in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, I I have Paris at number four. Uh, I. I I struggle a little bit with the landing spot argument. Yes, he went to a high powered offense, but he already had that. There's four established receivers there in T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches. While Funches is new there this year, they, they have a plan for him, they signed him as a free agent. They have uh, Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle, who both have shown to be extremely productive. And I would even throw Naheem Hines in there who caught, what, 63 passes last year mm-hmm. as a rookie. Uh, so there's only so many passes to go around. So Campbell is going to have to, to f- figure out where he fits in. And there are questions about what his route tree looks like because he wasn't asked to do things at Ohio state. So not only is he going to have to go in there and learn this offense, he's going to have to learn more of the nuances of playing the position. Uh, He's going in there and yeah, he's fast, but T Y Hilton is fast too. And, so there, there's, a, there's some things he's going to have to go through. I do think that he's an extremely talented player, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity, uh, and that's why I have him at four. Uh, at number five, I went with uh, you know a, a guy that depends on uh, what day and potentially even what time of the day how I feel about him, uh, and that's DK Metcalf. I had him at five pre-draft, and he's still at five now. There's a part of me that believes he's going to go there, and they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to ask him to do things he can't, and he's going to excel at the things he can, and it's going to lead to him uh, being a really good wide receiver. And then there's another part of me that thinks, well, they're not going to ask him to do things he can't, which means he's going to be on the sideline a lot of the times when you need him to score points. And in the fantasy, you don't score points from the sideline.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so for me, my five and six are both guys that I've had up in the top three that both fell. Uh, Five, Hakeem Butler, uh, and I actually still love his landing spot in Arizona. I think some of the draft capital a little bit is what's pushed him down the board for me and the fact that I don't think he's going to do much this year but I think it's a phenomenal landing spot for him. I think it's, you know, for me, him being able to go there now, if he's smart, he'll take this year and kind of learn and and let Larry Fitzgerald kind of tutor him and learn the finer points of wide re- being a wide receiver. I still think he's a phenomenal route runner. I think the biggest thing uh, for him is much like another one of my favorite players, and that was Miles Sanders, uh, not necessarily fumbles, but not being able to catch the ball, which is crucial, obviously, uh, for a wide receiver. But he struggled with drops. I think if he works with Larry Fitzgerald and gets that under control, he's going to be a phenomenal threat for Kyler Murray and by far their best red zone threat in Arizona. And if it's going to be as high-powered an offense as they want it to be in, some of us in this industry think it could be with them using certain college concepts i think hakeem butler is going to be a stud Uh, and then at six i have dk metcalf i think it's a phenomenal landing spot for him um you know i see i saw a couple videos on twitter the other day him doing some of the agility drills and he looked a lot faster than he did at the combine um and even if he doesn't even if he is just gonna run in a straight line we saw what tyler lockett could do last year with with russell wilson and and DK Metcalf is bigger and faster than Tyler Lockett. Uh, he can go up and get the ball. So, all, And we've seen Russell Wilson just knows how to throw the deep ball. He's very good at escaping the pocket and chucking it deep. I think D.K. Metcalf is going to be a, a rock star wide receiver two there in Seattle, especially with the news of Doug Baldwin pretty much. I would assume he's going to retire. It hasn't been officially announced, but it seems like it's going that route. So once that happens, I think D.K. Metcalf and Lockett are going to be the one and two there uh, in Seattle. And I think that's a, a just perfect landing spot for him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and that's why I had him at five. At six, I have uh, one of your favorites, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to do much this year. I think he's going he's to play behind Alshon, and then he'll get some opportunity in three and four wide receiver sets. Um, that being said, I do think that when he gets his chance, he'll keep it, uh, and he's going to make stuff happen. He's a really good at the contested catch. Uh, He's a decent. He's a good enough route runner, um, and he's great in the red zone. So uh, I I think that uh, he's going to be, you know, he'll he'll end up at some point in the next three years. uh, He's going to be wearing that uh, touchdown dependent necklace, and it's going to hang around him like an albatross. (laughs) but that means probably in two or three years you might be able to pick him up at a pretty pretty cheap price if you didn't get him uh, in the rookie draft because you're going to have these people that are looking for, a, you, you know, 100 catch players instead of uh, uh, somebody that's going to score you 10 or 12 touchdowns.
1: Yeah, so uh, Whiteside uh, falls for me at seven as well. Or I think he was six for you, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's seven for me. Um and, and everything we just touched on. I think a lot of it for me is that he's not, re- I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to do much this year. They just have too much offensive firepower there right now. But I think he is the clear future there. Uh, and I do think he is a phenomenal wide receiver. He is great, as you touched on in the contested catch. Uh, I think he's a better route runner than he gets credit for. Great hands. Huge touchdown, uh, or touchdown, red zone threat. Uh, I do think that touch, he'll likely be a little bit more touchdown dependent because uh, he's not someone who is going to go out there and get you 100 catches. But I think that he's going to be able to do work when he does get the ball. But I do think uh, I agree with you 100%. I would imagine he's not going to start becoming a more of a focal point of that offense until at least 2020. Who do you have uh, as your 7 and 8? Uh,
0: at 7, I have Marquise Brown. I I think that he plays that schoolyard game, which is going to help Lamar Jackson. I I don't know that you're going to find consistent scoring with it, but when Jackson breaks out of the pocket and uh, needs to get rid of the ball, I think you're going to find Marquise Brown streaking down the field, and so it's going to come down to whether or not Jackson can hit him with the pass. Uh, And then at 8, I... uh, I actually went with Calvin Harmon uh at eight. Um I, I think that it's you know, Washington didn't pick up Doxon's uh fifth year option mm-hmm. and I think they didn't because they like uh Calvin Harmon. And so I think they've basically told Josh Doxon, look, after this contract expires, you can go test free agency, and if you don't find what you're looking for, we'll re sign you cheap. But we've got your replacement and it's Kelvin Harmon. You know, Harmon had a really high production level in college. Um, didn't test well and that, that really affected his stock. But I do think that uh, he's got an opportunity to go in there and to be the big wide receiver.
1: Uh, so for me at eight, I have Miko Hardman. Um, I don't expect him to be Tyreek Hill this year, but I do agree with everybody that he is going to be Tyreek Hill's replacement. Um, if you go back and look at what Tyreek Hill did his rookie year, he was not that productive. I really think broke out toward the end of his rookie year uh, with a lot of good actually punt returns. And I think he did pretty good in kick returns as well, uh, but really didn't start coming onto the scene receiving wise until the end of the year. And I can see the same thing happen with Mecole Hardman. He's very raw. Uh, he hasn't, I, I think, uh, much like what you were saying with Paris Campbell, he was not asked to do a lot at Georgia. He's going to have to learn the offense, learn different routes and everything. So I do think it's going to take him time, but I could. I clearly think he, he's the replacement to Tyreek Hill. I think that's why the Chiefs traded up to get him because I do think with everything going on in Tyreek Hill's off-the-field situation, he's likely gone from Kansas City. I, I don't... You know, I don't want to get too much into it, but I personally don't believe in the text quote unquote that came out the other day of his fiance admitting to that. I think that was much more of a uh, them trying to trying to keep him in the league because they realized that he's probably going to be gone and, and lose the money that they were getting, and that's not an easy lifestyle to to get kicked out of. Um, for me, number nine is Marquise Brown. Uh, he's always been kind of toward the bottom for me, um, just based on what we've always talked about. I know uh, you always reference the fact. I think uh, that you see him uh, very much like Tavon Austin, right? That that was the one you said you you kind of see that comparison. Yeah, and, and i
0: have kind I, of, I'm kind around. of, I've been moving away from that. Uh-huh. Uh I, you know, I do Tavon is is much more of a closer to the line guy. I do right. think. Brown is a little more down the field,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you there, um my only thing with Brown is I just don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to be able to get him the ball, and that that's my biggest concern. Add in the Liz Frank injury, I know that. Uh, For most players, I think for Brown, at least this year, you're not going to see much of him because I think if you really go back and look at players who have suffered through that Liz Frank injury, it usually takes them an entire year to get back uh, and back to what they were if they ever get fully back to that. So I don't think Brown does much this year. And there is a chance that maybe Baltimore moves on from Lamar Jackson. I know some people think that's crazy. Uh, They took him in the first round just last year at 32 But with the way NFL rookie contracts are structured nowadays, if they have a chance to possibly get a really good quarterback next year or the year after, I would not be surprised if they move on from Lamar if he's just not being able to uh, throw the ball. But if he continues to only complete 14 passes a game, which is what he averaged last year, I just don't see Brown being fantasy relevant at all. I actually think uh, another wide receiver they drafted has a better shot, and he, he actually made it into my top 12. So who do you have at 9 and 10?
0: Well, at nine, I have Terry McLaurin. So I have Harmon and McLaurin Uh, back-to-back. My struggle with McLaurin is that I think he's a guy that's going to see the field in a lot of different uh, sets, but I don't think he's going to be a target in a lot of different sets. And so while he'll be out out there, he's going to be out there because he's a really good blocker. And he'll be out there because... Uh, he he plays special teams, so he's going to get on the field then. So the the opportunity is going to be there because he has a connection with Haskins already, but he's going to have to prove it time and time again, I think. Uh, I don't know that he exhibits any elite traits, and that's going to end up being, um, I think, his downfall. So unless he can get to that point where he is such a technical route runner that that's what gets him open all the time, uh, that then I think that he'll end up, uh, maybe out, outperforming, uh, my ranking here. Uh, at 10, I, I do have Hakeem Butler. He was my biggest faller. I did have him at three Mm pre-draft. I like him better than any of the other receivers not named Fitzgerald in Arizona. Um, I think that when Murray gets out there on the run, and I do think he's going to get out there on the run, uh, I think having a target that's six foot five with a big wingspan uh, that can go up and get the ball is going to be very beneficial. Uh, and so I, I, I feel like Butler, well, he gets knocked for being pretty raw. Uh, he can do some things really well, and I do think that he's going to get that opportunity to show that in Arizona.
1: So so for me at 10 is Terry McLaurin. I agree for the most part on what you're saying. I do think that he's probably going to make his name uh, on special teams this year. However, I, I would not be surprised um, if he does produce at the wide receiver position for the Redskins again. I think having – especially if Haskins ends up starting. If we see Case Keenum starting, uh, maybe by the time Haskins comes in, I do think Haskins plays at some point in time this year. I don't think Keenum keeps the job. I just think the rapport that those two have, I think he's going to rely heavily on him when they first come out. Um, and I do think mclaurin is going to be by far the best wide receiver they have on that wide receiver course, so I think that he has a chance to produce. Though I don't think he'll be any kind of stud this year, but I do like his future there in Washington as being the – the one or two, depending on who you think is going to be better between him and Harmon. Um, at 11, I have Miles Boykin. He was who I was talking about with Baltimore. I just think his game suits Lamar Jackson better. He's not really that downfield burner like Marquise Brown is. I could see him working more in the middle or on the edges of the field, and Lamar Jackson throwing, and I think he's got a decent catch radius, even if Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball very accurately to him. He'll go get the ball. I, I like Miles Boykin's chances there, and I just think he he's going to be he has a chance to be the better red zone threat as well, because I think when we when they get down into the red zone, if Lamar Jackson's not running it, which is very possible that he might, uh, Miles Boykin's going to be that bigger target they might go to. Uh, and then for me at 12 is Deontay Johnson. Uh, we've talked about this many a times. When Pittsburgh drafts a wide receiver in the third round out of the MAC conference, you pay attention to it because they do that and they always end up succeeding. So you have to go just based on track record. Uh, I still have uh, I've seen, out of all the wide receivers I have ranked in my top 20, he's right there with one of the guys that I've seen the, the littlest film on, I guess is the way to put it. I, have not, I still have not gotten a chance to watch as much of him as I have others, but I do trust Pittsburgh and their track. Record, I think he has a chance to come in there. Uh, I'm not a big believer. Um, is it Moncrief went there, didn't he, this off season? Yep. Yeah, I'm not a believer in Moncrief. I think it's going to be Juju and Washington on the outside. I would not be surprised if Johnson gets a shot this year to do something, or at least by 2020, uh, and we'll see what happens. Like I said, they they have a track record. If you go back and look at all the wide receivers Pittsburgh has drafted in the third or second, third round, and even out of the MAC conference, it's startling to see how good these wide receivers were with Pittsburgh, and then ended up moving on because Pittsburgh rarely pays. Their wide receivers. When it comes time to that, uh, they usually let them go. I mean, I think Antonio Brown, off the top of my head, is one of the few besides Hines Ward that they have paid us to keep around there. And then we saw how that worked with AB as well. So that's my that's my twelve. Who do you have as uh, your eleven and twelve?
0: Well, I I had Deontay Johnson at twenty two pre draft, mm-hmm. and I didn't. He did make it up to thirteen for me. Uh, I do, and and I, honestly, it was a struggle between him and my twelve. I have Boykin at 11. I agree with everything you said about Boykin. Uh, I I think that uh, there's going to definitely be... uh, You know, if they increase their passing to 27 attempts per game or 29 attempts per game, um, they're going to need people that can catch the ball. You know, Boykin can catch the ball. Uh, They're going to need... Boy, that was some stupid analysis there. (laughs) 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 They're going to need people that, that... You know, they're going to need a variety. And I I think uh, Marquise Brown is the guy that can get down the field uh, when stuff breaks down. I think Boykin is that guy that's going to be able to get into the middle of the field and maybe run some of those crossing routes uh, with uh, Mark Andrews that can create some confusion and some open windows for Boykin and Andrews there to to make some plays. Uh, But at number 10, uh, you know, I... I got McCole Hardman and it, it's, it's, uh, he's just penciled in. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, you know, I think when you said, uh, they're not going to expect him to be Tyreek Hill this year, uh, I think you could have put the period after they don't expect him to be Tyreek Hill. He's not going to be Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyreek Hill is an outlier and, and I talk a lot about, you know, it's n- it's not smart to bet on outliers, and he's an outlier. Uh, so Hardman, I think it he, he he already has immense pressure because you hear so often they they drafted him to replace Tyreek Hill. He's the new Tyreek Hill. Well, it, even if Tyreek is gone, we've got Nicole Hardman now, and he's going to be able to do everything Tyreek Hill does. You know, I don't think that's accurate. I. I He's coming in there with an awful lot of pressure. Uh, I, I think the team is going to feel pressure to get the ball to him because they reached so badly uh, when they drafted him. Uh, I think they probably could have waited a couple rounds and still got him. Uh, and I think there's going to be pressure coming from the team and pressure coming from himself. And I, I, more often than not, that leads to struggle.
1: Mm-hmm. Who do you have at twelve?
0: Oh, that was Hardman. I had Boykin okay. at 11, gotcha. Hardman at 12.
1: Gotcha, okay. All right, so then moving on to the tight ends. Um, for me, my number one has pretty much been the same guy the entire process. Uh, You know, I joked with someone on Twitter that I had moved um, Hawkinson ahead of him for like a, a two-week period, and that's Noah Fant. Um, I know you, you've you been talking about it. You talked about it on our dra- mock draft episode because I, I mentioned you taking him over Hawkinson. It's a great landing spot for him in Denver. I think Joe Flacco is going to go to him early and often. I know a lot of people keep bringing up the fact that he's not that good of a blocker and so I think that's going to keep him off the field. I completely disagree with that notion. I think that uh, John Elway and the Broncos know exactly what they got when they drafted him and I don't expect them to have him out there just to be a blocker. I imagine they're putting him out there to just be an offensive weapon because they've barely gotten any production out of Tide in the past couple years. That might be mostly due to injury um, but I, I think that that's exactly what they're going to use him for is kind of another offensive threat. Um, and then right behind him, which I'd imagine everybody's going to have these two guys as their one and two, is Hawkinson for me. Uh, I love. I actually love the landing spot in Detroit. Uh, I know a lot of people want to keep uh, comparing him to the fact that they don't know how to use uh, tight ends, and they reference Eric Ebron. I think Hawkinson is a much more polished tight end than what Ebron was coming out of college. I think he's uh, uh, honestly a much more capable offensive and blocking weapon than Ebron was. I think Stafford is going to look to him more often, especially with the fact that Golden Tate is now gone. In my opinion, they really only have him and uh, Kenny Galladay. I like Marvin Jones Jr., but he's definitely the the deep stretch guy. So I think Hawkinson and Galladay are the two guys that Matt Stafford's going to be able to go on a consistent basis. Uh, So I like Hawkinson there. I, I don't think anyone can argue um, either one of those two is the one, one for sure. I think you're going to get a mix of that throughout every tight end draft. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong taking Hawkinson or Fant, but for me, Fant goes ahead of him just for, just by a smidge, because I think he's a better offensive weapon.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I've been trying to put, uh, Phant, uh, up there and, and, uh, I, I think, uh, After the draft, so I I just went to FF statistics, and I wanted to take a look and see exactly where uh, Joe Flacco uh, has his tight ends at. And honestly, it's not great. Uh, In 2014, looks like the tight end was about, uh, let's see, where are we at? Uh, in 2011 there was a tight end seven in 2016 tight end seven uh and then there was one year 2014 tight end 12. so in three years out of 11 he's had a, a tight end one and i guess you can make the argument about oh who he had at tight end or whatever um but to expect a, a tight end to come in and um, as a rookie at a position that takes time to develop, uh, I think I'm going to stick with Hawkinson as my number one. I know, I know. Uh, on the mock draft, I had eased him, I eased Fant ab- above uh, Hawkinson. Uh, I think it's it's as close to a coin flip as it can get. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to stick with Hawkinson at my one. Stant at two and Irv Smith at three, which was just exactly how I had it coming out of the uh, going into the draft.
1: Gotcha. So for me, my three is Jay Sternberger. He's been my three throughout the entire process. Uh, I love the landing spot in Green Bay. Uh, I've talked about it multiple times. I think that's the one weapon Green Bay has been missing for a long time now, uh, and I think it's going to be a great spot for him. Does he need to work on his blocking? Absolutely. Uh, but much like I said about Fant, I also don't think they're bringing him in there to do that. I think they're bringing him in there to give Rodgers another offensive weapon, um, and, and he is that. He he is by far one of the better offensive weapons uh, in this tight end class. I think he goes right there behind Fant and Sternberger. Uh, Fant, uh, Yeah, Fant and Hawkinson, I'm sorry, for me, and that's why I have him right there. I think he's a little bit better than what Irv Smith does. Irv Smith's a better all-around tight end, but Sternberger's the better offensive weapon. Uh, And I loved his landing spot. And then for me is where uh, Irv Smith falls at four. Um, I do think that he has a shot to play this year. There's a lot of talk about them trying to move on from Kyle Rudolph with the way his contract is structured. Whether they do or don't do that, uh, I think Irv Smith still has a chance to beat out Rudolph even if he's on the roster. If anybody watched the Vikings play last year, uh, it looked like Rudolph was just struggling almost to move at times. I think Irv Smith is going to be a a great addition for the Vikings. I think it's a great fit for him there. Um, We've seen Kirk Cousins like to go to the tight end at times, especially when he had a healthy Jordan Reed and Kyle Rudolph just a couple years ago that's why everybody was jumped kind of jumped on the Rudolph train with what they saw I think it was actually with uh uh with uh, Case Keenum there though not Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins obviously just got there last year uh but the year that he had with Case Keenum was a great year so uh, I, I do like Irv Smith's landing spot there I just think Jay Sternberg is a tad bit ahead of him uh, so that's who I have at three and four who do you have at f- uh, four and five
0: well I've had a little movement. I flopped my four and five. Uh, I did move uh, Sternberger up from five to four. Um, you know, all in all, when I, you know, Moreau and Sternberger both need to work on their blocking and I'm giving Sternberger a little bump because he's got the more creative quarterback And I think he's, you know, when things break down, if Sternberger can get on the move, I think Rodgers will find him. Hmm. Moreau, I think, is plenty athletic, much like Sternberger. Um, But I think I'm going to give the edge to Sternberger because of his quarterback.
1: All right. So for me at five, I have Josh Oliver, who went to Jacksonville. Uh, I thought... For me, that was kind of telling because we all knew they needed a tight end coming out of this draft, and they decided to take of all the tight ends that were still available at the time, Josh Oliver. Uh, so that I think they clearly like him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be that fantasy relevant this year. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is. It's not like he has much competition down there. I think they've got James O'Shaughnessy um, and who's the other? I think that was uh, Blake Swing Jarwin. Lin. Was it Blake Jarwin?
0: They sign or uh, Jeff Swain. Jeff Swain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't
1: think that either one of those guys are anywhere close to what Oliver can be. So I like Oliver there. Um, I just don't know how often Nick Foles will go to him with the other offensive weapons they have there. I actually really like. Jacksonville's receiving core. Uh, So I don't know if Josh Oliver gets a ton of fantasy production this year, but I think it's a great landing spot for him. Um, And and I think that he has a chance to thrive there in Jacksonville. And then at number six for me at tight end, I have Dawson Knox. Uh, Loved his landing spot there in Buffalo. Uh, Again, same thing almost with Josh Oliver. I just don't think he has really any competition. They let go of, um, I can't even remember who it was. It used to be Charles. Uh, Clay. Yeah, there we go. Once a month, Chuck there produced once a month. Uh, Dawson Knox, I think is going to beat out Tyler Croft. I think Jason Kroon's there still as well. Uh, I would take Dawson Knox over either one of those guys. Uh, again, you, you do have to kind of wonder if J- Josh Allen's going to be able to get him the ball. That That is a serious concern, much like uh, the talk on Lamar Jackson. Uh, but I do think Josh Allen... With uh, his ability to get outside the pocket and rush the ball, if he's able to get uh, Dawson Knox the ball, if you look at what he did at Ole Miss, I know, Dennis, you've been someone who's been very high and, and, and propped up Dawson Knox throughout the process, especially with as bad as his quarterback was at Ole Miss. If you go back and look at how productive he was with the that quarterback there, who I think is much worse than Josh Allen, uh, I have a very high opinion of Dawson Knox going here because I think Josh Allen will be able to get him the ball enough to be fantasy relevant. Who do you have at 6 and 7?
0: Well, at at, uh, at six, I have Caleb Wilson, and at seven, I have Josh Oliver. Okay. You know, I, I think the one thing I like about Wilson, he's big, he's six six, and he's fast. Um, he he's not strong. He's terrible block. Uh, he he may uh, give Ricky Seals Jones a run for his money for uh, the inability to block. Um, but I he's got speed, and so I I think that. Uh, Arizona's game is going to be predicated on speed, and so that's going to that may give him an opportunity to step on the field in those two and three tight end sets uh, and actually catch some passes.
1: All right. So for me, at um, what am I at here? Seven. I have Caden mm-hmm. Smith. Um, I liked his landing spot in San Francisco behind George Kittle. Uh, I do think that he's going to end up being the uh, the backup for the most part for George Kittle. We we st- haven't seen Kyle Shanahan run a whole lot of two tight end offense. I'd be interested to see if they do use him in that way, though, because I do think he has a chance to be a, a great offensive weapon. Um, but I just like the landing spot for him. It, George Kittle has struggled with injuries in the past. Now, last year he played every game. Um, but we saw the year prior he he struggled with injuries if George Kittle is ever miss or does miss any time I think Caden Smith will be able to slide right into that spot and I think that's a great landing spot for him at number eight I have Foster Moreau who I know you've talked about uh, you've been very big on again great landing spot in Oakland they have really no competition there with the uh, With the loss of Jared Cook, I think that Foster Moreau could quickly become the number one tight end there. You know, we saw John Gruden use the tight end position a lot. Now, maybe it was just because of how good Jared Cook was there last year. Uh, But I think that, in all honesty, Foster Moreau has a chance to do not exactly what Jared Cook did, but I think he has a chance to produce. Uh, I don't see Darren Waller or Luke Wilson being any kind of competition for him whatsoever. There at the tight end position. So I think Foster Moreau has a serious chance of of becoming the guy there, and, and we'll see what he can do with Derek Carr.
0: You know, for me, like, it, Josh Oliver, Alizi Mack, Dawson Knox, all in that 7, 8, 9 range, mm-hmm. are all pretty interchangeable. They all are good athletes. They're fast. Um, they can't block for shit. So <laughs> – that they they all ha- have to just kind of find their way. So these are all guys that if you draft them, they're going on your taxi squad. Uh, it may be two years before they find any sort of inconsistent relevancy, let alone actual relevancy when it comes to fantasy. So you know that they've they've got some you know questionable guys in front of them. So it could open up quicker. But it's still it's it's a uh it it's just gonna these are all just just guys right now. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, this is a, a tier. It's all like seven, eight, nine are all just guys.
1: I agree. Yeah, for me what finishes out mine is as Khalil Warring and Elise Mac or Elise Mac as we like to say. Uh and I think uh I agree with you 100%. I mean, you could interchange any of those guys. Really, for me, after – I actually kind of like Dawson Knox, so I would say after him. Caden, for me, was Caden Smith, Foster Moreau, Waring, and Mac. Uh, I think all those guys are interchangeable. I do like Mack's landing spot, obviously, going to New Orleans. Uh, but then again, having Jared Cook there, he may not see a lot of time. Um, they have at times run two tight end sets, but if he doesn't, again, we don't know. Drew Brees might retire in a couple years, and then who knows what the quarterback will be there. So, But I like Mack. I love what I saw out of him out of Notre Dame. I think he has a chance to be a very good tight end, but he is kind of blocked uh, as long with a, a couple of those guys right there at the bottom of my list. Uh, so that right there does it. That, that That's our rankings, guys. We, we really appreciate you guys listening again. Uh, this episode, we're going to 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 throw up here tonight. It'll be up Wednesday night for you guys to listen to Thursday because Dennis, again, as I said earlier, Hooked us up with an awesome guest tomorrow that I cannot wait to get on here. We're we're just going to we're gonna sit back and just talk to this guy. Let him give you guys all this fantasy knowledge. He's he's got a really interesting thing coming out uh, for a Mother's Day thing, which I can't wait to talk about with him. And I know Dennis, you can as well. So Dennis, before we jump out of here, let everybody know again where they can find you on Twitter if you have anything coming up for uh, the Dynasty Nerds.
0: Well, I'm at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, I love to talk fantasy football. Feel free to shoot me a DM if you have a question. Uh, Tag me and I'll retweet your polls and whatnot. Uh, I do write for DynastyNerds.com. I'm getting ready to start a series of articles, uh, deep dynasty stashes based on uh, per division. So, It'll be like the AFC North, the NFC North, so on. And so there'll be five or six guys from each division that, you know, just put them on the end of your bench or on your taxi squad and uh, let's see what happens. So I'm, I'm excited to get that roll and That'll be coming out. Uh, I also am going to be doing, uh, you know, the Nerd Herd just rolled out. Uh, it's a great deal. You should definitely go and uh, sign up for the Nerd Herd, two ninety nine a month or until uh, June 1st you can get a year subscription for 24.99 uh lots of cool tools coming out on that i'll be uh doing standard rankings uh, i'm pretty excited about that uh it'll be nice to get back into to doing some rankings and so i'll be uh working on the team that handles the standard rankings uh for the nerd herd so once you get behind the wall you'll be able to see what i do there
1: Nice. Yeah, I was going to bring that up to close out the podcast. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, They've been promoting it like crazy. The new site just went live. I know Dennis, again, has been a part of them for a while. And from everything I've seen and heard, I I interact with a lot of the, the Nerd Herd writers in their community and and it looks to be awesome. This tool that they have coming out, they keep talking about. It. I mean, I'm so excited that I, I, I've signed up because I, I need to know what this tool is. And again, you know, they talked about it on their podcast. I believe it came out today or yesterday. Uh, you know that you can sign up right today, now for today. There was
0: a, a regular podcast and then an extra podcast yeah. for the nerd hurt members
1: yeah so if you guys sign up for the year thing it's i think they said it's 25 bucks which is like it saves you 11 dollars on an entire year thing which is just an immense savings for everything that they bring you again there there's some not Over just 30
0: percent savings yeah
1: not, not only the the best uh, not only some of the best dynasty people in the business but also great people as I, I tweeted out the other day all these guys take time to interact with their fans and subscribers and everything and they're they're some of the best people that I know and I've had a chance to work with so I, I mean I'm telling you guys it's worth your money alone again 25 bucks that's not even that's less than a tank of gas for most people and that and you'll get everything that they do for an entire year not just the, their podcast but all of their rankings articles everything it, it's by far, one of the best deals in the business. Uh, and this is coming from, I wouldn't say I'm a competitor, but someone who's in the same business. And I'm telling you, you guys, it's worth, worth subscribing to. I, I did it myself just the other day. So de- definitely jump on it, guys. If you listen to this, they're, they're worth your money and your time because they, they will help you guys out more than, more than uh, I think you guys will realize. And you'll, know, especially with this new tool they keep talking about. Like I said, I, I can't wait to find out what this tool is because they keep talking about it as well. So definitely jump on that. Um, While you're doing that, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe us as well. We would really appreciate it. And, again, uh, check back tomorrow for tomorrow's episode. We have a really great guest coming on. And uh, next week we will really start jumping into uh, some more maybe mocks, talk about some different storylines going into the NFL, different stuff. We'll have coming in. Obviously we'll really start jumping into the listener league uh, and start getting that set up uh, with next week's episode. So, Dennis. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, and I cannot wait to, to jump on tomorrow with you and, and talk to our special guest.
0: Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. you got your popcorn you ready? I came like the room wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored if you played football for this team. one up above his head. They can't jump with the lead. Die.
1: Only they tackle at the forty yards. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. can.